Part One, Chapter Two A of The Adventures of Jimmy Dale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please go to LibriVox.org. The Adventures of Jimmy Dale by Frank L. Packard. Reading by Mary Rohde. Part One: The Man in the Case. Chapter Two A: By Proxy. The most puzzling, bewildering, delightful crook in the annals of crime, Herman Carruthers, the editor of the morning news Argus, had called the Gray Seal, and Jimmy Dale smiled a little grimly now, as he recalled the occasion of a week ago at the St. James Club over their after-dinner coffee. That was before his second debut, with Isaac Brolsky's poverty-stricken premises over on West Broadway as a setting for the break. She had written, Things are a little too warm, aren't they, Jimmy? Let's let them cool for a year. Well, they had cooled for a year, and Carruthers, as a result, had been complacently satisfied in his own mind that the gray seal was dead until the break at Isaac Brolsky's over on West Broadway. Jimmy Dale's smile was tinged with whimsicality now. The only effect of the year's inaction had been to usher in his renewed activity with a furor compared to which all that had gone before was insignificant. Where the newspapers had been maudlin, they now raved, raved in editorials and raved in headlines. It was an impossible, untenable, unbelievable condition of affairs that this gray seal, for all his incomparable cleverness, should flaunt his crimes in the faces of the citizens of New York. One could actually see the editors writhing in their swivel chairs as their fiery denunciations dripped from their pens. What was the matter with the police? Were the police children, or were still imbeciles, or still worse again, was there someone higher up who was profiting by this rogue's work? New York would not stand for it. New York would most decidedly not, and the sooner the police realized that fact, the better. If the police were helpless, or tools, the citizens of New York were not and it was time the citizens were thoroughly aroused. There was a way, too, to arouse the citizens that was both good business from the newspaper standpoint and efficacious as a method. Carruthers of the Morning News Argus had initiated it. The Morning News Argus offered $25,000 reward for the capture of the Gray Seal, other papers immediately followed suit in varying amounts. The authorities, state and municipal, goaded to desperation, did likewise, and the five million men, women, and children of New York were automatically metamorphosed into embryonic sleuths. New York was aroused. Jimmy Dale, alias the Gray Seal, member of the ultra-exclusive St. James Club, the latter fact sufficient in itself to guarantee his social standing, 
graduate of Harvard, inheritor of his deceased father's immense wealth, amassed in the manufacture of burglar-proof safes, some of the most ingenious patents on which were due to Jimmy Dale himself, figured with a pencil on the margin of the newspaper he had been reading, using the arm of the big, luxurious, leather-upholstered lounging-chair as a support for the paper. The result of his calculations was $85,000. He brushed the paper onto the Turkish rug, dove into the pocket of his dinner-jacket for his cigarettes, and began to smoke as his eyes strayed around the room, his own particular den in his fashionable Riverside Drive residence. $85,000 reward. Jimmy Dale blew meditative rings of cigarette smoke at the fireplace. What would she say to that? Would she decide it was too hot again and call it off? It added quite a little hazard to the game, quite a little. If he only knew who she was, it was a strange partnership, the strangest partnership that had ever existed between two human beings. He turned a little in his chair as a step sounded in the hallway without, that is, Jimmy Dale caught the sound, muffled though it was by the heavy carpet. Came then a knock upon the door. "'Come in,' invited Jimmy Dale. It was old Jason, the butler. The old man was visibly excited as he extended a silver tray on which lay a letter. Jimmy Dale's hand reached quickly out, the long, slim, tapering fingers closed upon the envelope, but his eyes were on Jason significantly, questioningly. "'Yes, Master Jim,' said the old man. "'I recognized it on the instant, sir. "'After what you said, sir, last week, honoring me, I might say, "'to a certain extent with your confidence, "'though I'm sure I don't know what it all means, I—' "'Who brought it this time, Jason?' inquired Jimmy Dale quietly. "'Not the young person begging your pardon, not the young lady, sir. "'A shuffer in a big automobile.' "'Your master at once,' he says, and shoves the letter into my hand, and was off. "'Very good, Jason,' said Jimmy Dale. "'You may go.' The door closed. Yes, it was from her. It was the same texture of paper. There was the same rare, haunting fragrance clinging to it. He tore the envelope open, and extracted a folded sheet of paper. What was it this time?' to call the partnership off again until the present furor should have subsided once more, or the skillfully sketched outline of a new adventure, which, he glanced at the few lines written on the sheet, and lunged forward from his chair to his feet. It was neither one nor the other. It was... Jimmy Dale's face was set, and an angry red surge swept his cheeks. His lips moved, muttering audibly fragments of the letter, as he stared at it. "'Incredible that you, a heinous thing, act instantly. This is ruin.' For an instant, a rare occurrence in Jimmy Dale's life, he stood like a man stricken, still staring at the sheet in his hand. Then, mechanically, his fingers tore the paper into little pieces, and the little pieces into tiny shreds. Anger fled, and a sickening sense of impotent dismay took its place. The red left his cheeks, and in its stead a grayness came. Act instantly. The words seemed to leap at him, drum at his ears with constant repetition. 
act instantly. But how, how? Then his brain, that keen, clear master brain, sprang from stunned inaction into virility again. Of course, Carruthers. It was in Carruthers' line. He stepped to the desk and paused with his hand extended to pick up the telephone. How explain to Carruthers that he, Jimmy Dale, already knew what Carruthers might not yet have heard of, even though Carruthers would naturally be among the first to be in touch with such affairs? No, that would never do. Better get there himself at once and trust to— The telephone rang. Jimmy Dale waited until it rang again, then lifted the receiver from the hook. Hello, he said. Hello, hello, Jimmy? came a voice. This is Carruthers. That you, Jimmy? Yes, said Jimmy Dale, and sat down limply in the desk chair. It's the gray seal again. I promised you I'd let you in on the ground floor next time anything happened. So come on down here quick if you want to see some of his work at first hand. Jimmy Dale flirted a bead of sweat from his forehead. Carruthers, said Jimmy languidly, you newspaper chaps make me tired with your gray seal. I'm just going to bed. Bed nothing, spluttered Carruthers from the other end of the wire. Come down, I tell you. It's worth your while. Half the population of New York would give the toes off their feet for the chance. Come down, you blast idiot. The gray seal has gone the limit this time. It's murder. Jimmy Dale's face was haggard. Oh, he said peevishly, sounds interesting. Where are you? I guess maybe I'll jog along. I should think you would, snapped Carruthers. You know the palace on the Bowery? Yes, well, meet me on the corner there as soon as you can. Hustle. Good. Oh, say, Carruthers, interposed Jimmy Dale. Yes, demanded Carruthers. Thanks awfully for letting me know, old man. Don't mention it, returned Carruthers sarcastically. You always were a grateful beast, Jimmy. Hurry up. Jimmy Dale hung up the receiver on the city phone and took down the receiver of another, a private house installation, and rang twice for the garage. The light car at once, Benson, he ordered curtly. At once. Jimmy Dale worked quickly then. In his dressing room, he changed from dinner clothes to tweeds, spent a second or so over the contents of a locked drawer in the dresser, from which he selected a very small but serviceable automatic, and a very small but highly powerful magnifying glass, whose combination of little round lenses worked on a pivot, and closed over one another, were about the compass of a quarter of a dollar. In three minutes he was outside the house and stepping into the car, just as it drew up at the curb. Benson, he said tersely to his chauffeur, drop me one block this side of the palace on the Bowery, and forget there was ever a speed law enacted. Understand? Very good, sir, said Benson, touching his cap. I'll do my best, sir. Jimmy Dale, in the tonneau, stretched out his legs under the front seat and dug his hands into his pockets. And inside the pockets his hands were clenched and knotted fists. Murder! At times it had occurred to him that there was a possibility that some crook of the underworld would attempt to cover his tracks and take refuge from pursuit by foisting himself on the authorities as the Gray Seal. 
That was a possibility, a risk always to be run. But that murder should be laid to the gray seal's door. Anger, merciless and unrestrained, surged over Jimmy Dale. There was peril here, live and imminent. Suppose that some day he should be caught in some little affair, recognized and identified as the gray seal. There would be the charge of murder hanging over him, and the electric chair to face. But the peril was not the only thing. Even worse to Jimmy Dale's artistic and sensitive temperament was the vilification, the holding up to loathing, contumely, and abhorrence of the name, the stainless name of the Gray Seal. It was stainless. He had guarded it jealously, as a man guards the woman's name he loves. Affairs that had mystified and driven the police distracted with impotence there had been, many of them, and on the face of them, crimes, but no act ever committed had been in reality a crime, none without the highest of motives, the righting of some outrageous wrong, the protection of some poor stumbling fellow human. That had been his partnership with her. How, by what amazing means, by what power that smacked almost of the miraculous, she came in touch with all these things, and supplied him with the data on which to work he did not know, only that, thanks to her, there were happier hearts and happier homes since the gray seal had begun to work. Dear philanthropic crook, she often called him in her letters, and now it was murder. Take Carruthers, for instance. For years, as a reporter, before he had risen to the editorial desk, he had been one of the keenest on the scent of the gray seal, but always for the sake of the game, always filled with admiration, as he said himself, for the daring, the originality of the most puzzling, bewildering, delightful crook in the annals of crime. Carruthers was but an example. Carruthers now would hunt the gray seal like a mad dog. The gray seal, to Carruthers and everyone else, would be the vilest name in the land, a synonym for murder. On the car flew, and upon Jimmy Dale's face, as though chiseled in marble, was a look that was not good to see, and a mirthless smile set, frozen on his lips. I'll get the man that did this, gritted Jimmy Dale between his teeth. I'll get him, and when I get him, I'll wring a confession from him if I have to swing for it. The car swept from Broadway into Astor Place, on down the Bowery, and presently stopped. Jimmy Dale stepped out. I shall not want you any more, Benson, he said. You may return home. Jimmy Dale started down the block. A nonchalant Jimmy Dale now, if anything, bored a little. Near the corner, a figure, back turned, was lounging at the edge of the sidewalk. Jimmy Dale touched the man on the arm. "'Hello, Carruthers,' he drawled. "'Ah, Jimmy,' Carruthers turned with an excited smile. "'That's the boy. You've made mighty quick time.' "'Well, you told me to hurry,' grumbled Jimmy Dale. "'I'm doing my best to please you tonight. "'Came down in my car and got summoned for three fines tomorrow.' Carruthers laughed. Come on, he said, and linking his arm in Jimmy Dale's, turned the corner and headed west along the cross street. 
this is going to make a noise, he continued, a grim note creeping into his voice. The biggest noise the city has ever heard. I take back all I said about the gray seal. I'd always pictured his cleverness as being inseparable with at least a decent sort of man, even if he was a rogue and a criminal. But I'm through with that. He's a rotter and a hound of the rankest sort. I didn't think there was anything more vulgar or brutal than murder, but he's shown me that there is. A gutter snipe's got more decency. To murder a man and then boastfully label the corpse is... Say, Carruthers, said Jimmy Dale plaintively, suddenly hanging back. I say, you know, it's... It's all right for you to mess up in this sort of thing. It's your beastly business. But I'm awfully damn thankful to you for giving me a look in. But isn't it, uh, rather infra-dig for me? A bit morbid, you know, and all that sort of thing? I'd never hear the end of it at the club. You know what the St. James is. Couldn't I be Meredith Stanley Anstruther or something like that? One of your new reporters or something like that, you know? Carruthers chuckled. Sure, Jimmy, he said. You're the latest addition to the staff of the News Argus. Don't worry. The incomparable Jimmy Dale won't figure publicly in this. It's awfully good of you, said Jimmy gratefully. I have to have a notebook or something, don't I? Carruthers, from his pocket, handed him one. Thanks, said Jimmy Dale. A little way ahead, a crowd had collected on the sidewalk before a doorway, and Carruthers pointed with a jerk of his hand. "'It's in Moriarty's place, a gambling hell,' he explained. "'I haven't got the story myself yet, though I've been inside and had a look around. Inspector Clayton discovered the crime and reported it at headquarters. I was at my desk in the office when the news came, and as you know the interest I've taken in the Gray Seal,' I decided to cover it myself. When I got here, Clayton hadn't returned from headquarters, so, as you seemed so keenly interested last week, I telephoned you. If Clayton's back now, we'll get the details. Clayton's a good fellow with the press, and he won't hold anything out on us. Now here we are. Keep close to me, and I'll pass you in. They shouldered through the crowd and up to an officer at the door, the officer nodded, stepped aside, and Carruthers, with Jimmy Dale following, entered the house. End of Part 1, Chapter 2A